Welcome to episode 36, where I'm interviewing Kevin Cho. This young 20-year-old real estate investor wholesales real estate. For those of you new to what wholesaling in the real estate world is, it's when a wholesaler contracts a home with the seller agreeing for the wholesaler to receive equitable rights once he or she finds an interested party to buy the property for a higher price. Basically, the wholesaler receives the difference between the selling price from the seller and the buying price from the buyer. Kevin tells the story of his learning lessons, trials, and tribulations, along with acknowledging the persistence and fortitude it takes to be successful in anything you set your mind to. Please enjoy this episode. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com, where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. Hey, Kevin. Welcome to the Rich State of Mind podcast. Uh, This is going to be a good episode about wholesaling. So I'm looking to really get some information from you uh, and for others to learn. A lot of times we talk about people kind of in the more advanced side, but I like your stories, how you persevere through the beginner side. So please uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, my name is Kevin. I uh, actually, uh, I'm a college dropout. So I, I don't know if you knew, but I'm, I, I just recently turned 20. And when I was in high school, I, I, I kind of knew like college wasn't the right thing for me. So. Mm-hmm even though I ended up going to community college for about a semester. But the, but the funny thing is I actually took a real estate course and that's the only class that I passed out of like six other classes that I, passed, that I took during that semester. So I was like, you know what? There's gotta be a reason why I passed that class. Like the econ and real estate principle was the only class that I passed. And um, so, yeah, I knew I really wanted to get into real estate uh, at a pretty young age, I guess, right out of high school. And so what I did was um, I went off and got my license in California and it took me about three to four months. And as soon as about like a couple of weeks before the test, COVID hit and all the testing sites were closed. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, what, what do I do at this point? I, can't, I don't have my license. I can't really go do anything. So and then in the meantime, that's when I ran into wholesome because, I mean, I was watching all these YouTube videos on real estate and I thought, you know, what, like. I mean, if, if I can do, if I can work as an agent, I, I guess that, that's the only route for me. So I kind of, that's how I got, how, how I ran into wholesaling. But um, along the way, I kind of got sidetracked and I started a couple other businesses. Like I got into an ATM business. Um, so ATM is just like the money machine. You collect surcharge and things like that. So that's what I did for about three months. Uh, it, it wasn't that fun, but it was a kind of good way for me to get into like this business side of the world and how things operate. And, you know, so that's, I got sidetracked for three months and then I got back into real estate and then I, I enrolled in this, um, 
wholesaling ink course by uh, it was by Lauren Hardy in virtual real estate investing. Mm-hmm. What we did was we just um, pulled a list, skip trace, send messages, and things like that. And we were I was trying to get a deal here and there, but um, yeah, that well, that I guess that's how I got into real estate. Uh, I do. Should I go on or? Yeah, yeah. Keep going, man. Dude, tell your story. Um, so at this point, this is last year when COVID started. So yeah, this was around 2020. June, yeah, June 2020. Okay. And so you, after the three month distraction, then you said you went full speed ahead in wholesaling. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did. So all the money that I made from my ATM business, I went and invested all of that into a course and spent a lot of money in marketing, but I guess I was just not a good closure. I had all these leads coming in from texting mark, text, uh, texting campaign, but mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to close it. Like I probably had like, um, I don't know, four or five leads come in and I call them and, you know, I'm like, okay, um, do you want a cash offer? I'm like, no. Oh, and, and then I'll hang up. Like, so it, I was really bad at conversion and, um, yeah, I wasted a lot of marketing dollars, especially if I can't have the ability to close, like, what's the point of, spending all this money uh but i ended up uh my first real estate check that i made uh, it was about it was exactly 1500 but it was from the texting campaign and the seller was like you know what i want to do a lease option and i was like oh oh yeah sure we can do that <laughs> at that time i didn't know what a lease option was so i i went on facebook and i said can anybody help me with this lease option um deal that i have i have no clue on what it is so I got I so I got this like real estate um creative financing guy involved, and he ended up closing it and he gave me a twenty percent referral fee. Uh, it was only fifteen hundred, but like that was that was like a lot of money to me. Um, and then the next deal was my first wholesale deal, and I closed it. I think I have it, I have to check right here, January 11, twenty twenty one. So it's it's funny because uh and. I, I was supposed to get a wholesale deal from all these SMS campaign, but ended up getting like a lease option referral. And this wholesale deal actually came from Facebook Marketplace. So I, I just wow. happened to browse through Facebook. Yeah, it was free. It, it was like a, it's called lap deal where like it just falls on your lap and you close it and you make quick money. So it was, it's kind of a, kind of a luck how, how it ended up closing. So, but up until that point, up until Jan, June, 2022, January 2021, that, that seven month, I think I had five contracts that fell out because I just didn't know how to comp it. I, I locked it up too high. So it ended up falling through the crack. But this one that I got from Facebook Marketplace, the seller was like asking one, 123,000. And I said, well, can do you want to do 100? I was like, and she said, sure. ARV was 160. So wow. I, I asked, you want to do 100? I was like, oh yeah, we can do that. I'm like, Oh, it was that easy. <laughs> and then, um, and then once you got the equitable rights, what did you uh, sell, resell it for? Yeah. So once we had the contract, I had a, I had one of my friends go and take pictures, and the house was really was in a really bad shape. So hundred grand, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a pretty good deal, but it ended up it's it's a little too tight. So I went back to the seller. I'm like, okay, sh- I forget. It. I'm just gonna ask for a really big price reduction. I said, hey, I mean, your your price was 123,000. We have a agreement at 100,000, but we looked at the condition, we looked at the area, but I don't think 100,000 will work. So what we do is, 
I went back to the seller and said, I mean, would you, would you consider 65,000? <laughs> yeah, like we went from 123,000 to 65. And she's like, no, there's, there's just no way we can do it. Um, I have to pay for all my moving expenses and things like that. Like 75 is the highest I can go. Like absolutely, like that's the highest. Like, I mean, that's the lowest I can go because I won't have any money after closing after I pay off my mortgage and things like that. Uh, so we ended up uh, closing so with this with the price at 75,000 but uh so here here was a thing like we I had a pretty good I didn't have a big buyers buyers list so what I did was I JV with the with someone that had a big buyers list and he brought a buyer and the buyer was like yeah I'll pay 85,000 I'm like oh 10 grand that's a really good deal for me so 5k to me 5k to my friend and then uh and I had like I think I had like three or four buyers and I, I was like pretty solid with my buyer and uh, because he shot it out and all his buyers saw it and we only had like one guy that committed. But I, I reached out to one of my guys and it's like, hey, like I got this deal in the contract. Uh, I don't know what to sell it for. Like, you want to make an offer? And he was like, uh, yeah, I mean, seeing what, seeing what we know, we can probably do 95, but I'll have to walk through the property. I'm like, dang, it's $20,000 deal. Like that's a killer, right? So, but I think here's the thing, like I had, I had to choose either 10,000 all committed. Uh, he was, the buyer was ready to put the money, uh, earnest money down, but I had my buyer who was 20,000 and he had to do the walkthrough. And I didn't even know if $20,000 was the price that he would pay me after reading. Cause if he looked, if he looked at the property, he would have probably low a little bit uh, more like around 80, no, like around 90, sorry. So I was like, you know what? Like, I want to play safe, and the seller has to move um, pretty quickly. So, I just ended up going to 10k, and uh, and there, there's another issue. There's another issue with the title. So the seller bought this house from her friend, and the friend didn't. The friend seller financed the house to this to the seller. Hey, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's say uh, the seller's name was Jennifer, and Jennifer bought the house on seller finance from Joyce, and Jennifer, because of COVID, she was like, you know what, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to pay any of my mortgage payments. And she tried to sell it. But Joyce was like, you know what, like, no, that's not going to work. You, you got to pay me all, all the, all the, all the payments that you didn't make along the way during COVID. Yeah. But then Jennifer was like, you know what, like, hey, Kevin, like, I, I really don't have, I really can't go any lower. I really can't take any more pay, uh, any more price reductions. So what, what ended up happening was, Jennifer asked me if I can pay her $7,000 in, uh, in, in arrears. And I was like, this was my first deal and I didn't want to screw it up. I was so done with like all this marketing money that I spent. I was like, as long as I can walk away with the dollar, like I'll be okay. <laughs> so what I did was uh, from the $10,000 uh, profit that we were supposed to make, I ended up paying for her $7,000 in arrears. And I only took three. And of that $3,000, you have to split it with $1,500, $1,500 my buyer. But and nonetheless, it closed. And that's when uh, it was like, uh, like a, what, what do you call it? Um, proven concept. It was a proven concept. And I was like, you know, I like, I did this one deal. Like, I'm sure I can do more. So that's, that's where exactly. I'm yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> And I, I've heard that once you, and I'm pretty sure, man, because right before we started recording, I was telling you how 
Like I need to crack that egg. That the wholesaling is the one egg I feel like I need to crack. And once I get started, I feel like I'm gonna have gain momentum. And I think now you'll gain momentum. Yeah, you yeah, you had a seven month slug where you was trying to get leads and learning how to close. Because I'm the same way, man. I had to practice a lot of times on the phone. You know, I'm stuttering, trying to figure out the right things to say. People are not being responsive. Yep. Um, and you know the way the the um, the real estate market has shifted. It's a seller's market. And so yep. people are really trying to up their prices. Like, nah, I want 60. And it's like, yo, you're only going to give me like a $500 room to, to resell this house. You know, yeah. you know, you want 60 and I'm only going to be able to wholesale it for 6,500. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, I get it. Yeah. So that, that that's when I was like, you know, like, I guess it, I guess it kind of works. I mean, it was just this particular deal I made such a small profit on, but if that didn't happen, I would have made five grand. And and who knows if I didn't if I had went with my buyer, I didn't bring my uh, buyer friend, I would have maybe ended up with twenty thousand dollars instead of the fifteen hundred. So that, so I, so that's kind of like the eye opener. And then and then here's what happened: like this deal was virtual. So I live in Vegas, and this deal was in Orlando, Florida. Um, oh wow! Yeah. It was, it was kind of, it was just luck. It was completely luck. I, I still can't believe it closed. Um, <laughs> but now, and then uh, because I was virtual, I had such a hard time like competing with the buyers that are actually in like in Orlando because like they can actually see the seller in person. They can actually look at the property. They're pretty responsive versus me. I have to rely on the JV partner to say, yeah, I can, I can go uh, Tuesday at 3 p.m. I'm like, no, you need to go right now. So that's that's why uh, I, I, um, uh, I decided to go back to my uh, Vegas market and do it like in person. So the, the shift has been a little bit more difficult because um, you have to be go to you have to go to appointments and things like that. But um, I guess I'm able to more focus on certain area and and give all my attention to this one particular seller versus if I had um, if I was virtual and I had like like I said four to five leads coming, I'd be all over the place and yeah. I'll probably overbid by like these big investors like that are actually on the field so yeah I, yeah i moved back to vegas and uh, that's my market now dude what's a jv invest uh not jv investor jv partner so like is this something somebody you met online to help you remotely mm -hmm. so jv partner is um so they uh they uh bring the other side of the pie so i did the acquisition of getting the sell under contract but i didn't have a buyer but i brought on a jv partner who was a pretty experienced wholesaler in that area. And they said, and they actually uh, sold the contract for me using their buyer's list. Okay. And you can find that through Facebook marketplace. Where'd you find that at? Uh, there are a lot of Facebook wholesaler. There are a lot of uh, uh, in real estate investors, Facebook group. So you just go, you just go to, um, I mean, there are like hundreds of maybe if not thousands of uh, groups and you just type in like, you just ask, hey, I got this deal under contract. Would anyone, does anyone have buyers that they can uh, work with? And we'll do a 50-50 split. And like, you can be bombarded with messages saying, oh, dude, I, I want that. Yeah, I can help you out. I can help you out. Because everybody wants to get a good, uh, easy, easy deal right here and there. That makes sense. And then, um, so how do you feel in the transition between Orlando doing it, you know, wholesaling online to doing it in your, in your market? What's the Vegas market like as far as wholesaling? Yeah, so 
I do, I guess, two marketing channels. Are you familiar with driving for dollars? Yes. Yeah. So what I, yeah, I, I think for people who don't know, uh, driving for dollars is you just drive around the neighborhood. Um, you just drive around the neighborhood and um, you look at distressed properties. So something like high weeds, broken window, uh, uh, old roof, like cars in, in the driveway. And that's a typical sign of a distressed, uh, like a deferred maintenance, that's what it is. And I just uh, used an app called Batch Driven. And within that app, I just, add, I just drive around the, around the neighborhood and I add properties. And then I, and I do SMS and I do cold calling uh, for those lists that I pulled. And then I also go door knocking. So, so this is the hard part, door knocking. I uh, have a list of uh, pre-foreclosures in Las Vegas, Clark County. Las Vegas is Clark County. How do you get those names or those lists? Uh, I use a third-party service called Batch Driven. It's a, it's a real estate. It's kind of similar to Deal Machine. Like, you know, Deal Machine, you drive for dollars. But in Batch Driven, you also have um, uh, driving for dollars uh, option. And you also can pull pre-foreclosures in your area. So what I do is I pull the list of pre-foreclosures. I go door knock each and each and every one of them. It's hard. I know. I bet, man. I bet. Especially because people are like who who are you, you know. So what's your what's your pitch usually as far as when people knock when you knock on the door and mm-hmm. somebody you know hey can I buy your house like how do you how do you get somebody to trust you and uh, open up the icebreaker of a conversation? Yeah, so um, it's it's kind of scary uh, like going on to random strangers' house and like hey your house is pretty foreclosure, so you kind of have to <laughs> awfully so say something like yeah hey my name is Kevin um. Uh, no, I no. Here's here, here's what exactly what I do. I go door, knock knock, and then they open the door. I was like, "Hi, you must be the homeowner." I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm the homeowner." Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you during your day. My name is Kevin. I work with a group of real estate investors, and there just seems to be an ongoing issue with the lender. And there's something like, "Yeah, like we have it all taken care of. Like we're doing low mod, we're in forbearance, or whatnot." Mm-hmm. And then, and so so that's a starting line, and you kind of have to squeeze your way into it just to keep the conversation live. And so some of the questions that I ask is very open-ended and um, it, you, you phrase it in a way that they want to reply to you. So something that I've learned as I've done it is you actually assume incorrectly because what, what everybody wants to do is they want to correct you. So like, let's say you go to the gym and then your friend goes, oh, you didn't go to the gym today. You look kind of small, right? Mm-hmm. Your natural response is, Bro, what are you talking about? Like, I went, I went to the gym. Like, mm-hmm. so you want to assume incorrectly so that they so that they rebuttal rebuttal against you, and they keep the conversation going. So, if they're doing if if they say something like, "Yeah, we're doing a low mod," I'm like, "You probably wouldn't take a backup offer, right?" And I'm like, uh, "I'll take backup offer." I'm like, "Oh, you probably don't have a backup offer, right?" I'm like, "No, I don't." So something like something along those lines where you keep the conversation going because you only have a few seconds to like squeeze your way in and they keep the conversation live. You got to keep the like little fire, fire, like you got to keep blowing on it to get, yeah. to become a big flame, you know? So yeah, that's what I do. And oh my God, here, here's a funny story. Uh, okay. Oh my, this was, it was, it's not funny. It was kind of scary, but um, so today is a Monday, but last Thursday, 
I went door knocking and this lady came out and I said, I, I did the same line. Hi, my name is Kevin. I work with a group of real estate investors across the country and there seems to be an ongoing issue. And I was wondering if you can do any, if there's anything that we can do to help. But I guess this lady was not in proof of closure. I, I think my data was wrong. So the, the lady was super offended. Like, what are you talking about? Like my house is not in proof of closure. Like you have everything wrong. Like hey, wh who do you work for? Like, what's your name? Like, give me your driver's license. And then she actually went out to my car and took a picture of my drive, uh, like a car plate. And I was like, okay, that's completely fine. Like, what are you going to do with it? Like call the police. I'm going home. But then right, like two houses down, there was a police car. And then what she did was uh, she like runs to the police and says, hey. yeah. So she goes to the uh, police officer and she says, officer, officer, like I had this guy, like, Call me out of nowhere, um, saying my house is in pre-foreclosure, and he's he's like threatening me to take my house away, and which is not even what close to what I said. And she's and so the police officers got involved, and I was like, "Frick, I'm just, I'm just tired. I want to go home at this point because it drained my energy so much." So, um, so we, so police officer and I were talking for like 10, 15 minutes. He called, he took my ID, he did a background search on me, and. He was like, he was about, he called some, one of my friends that's in real estate just to verify like what I'm doing. But yeah, that was like one of the worst things that, that could have happened. That happened to me during, when I was door knocking. Um, and I guess but, it's the risk you take, but it's not, that didn't, it, well, good thing you didn't, you know, you didn't end up in jail, uh, but you know, reje rejection, right? I guess that was the biggest rejection you could possibly get, but you yeah. still kept going. Yeah. And this idea, like, I actually like this topic. I really like it. Um, this type of topic of door knocking um, is something that not a lot of people will be able to do just because it's scary. Um, it's, I have way, way easier time um, just driving for dollars, just driving my car, adding addresses, um, easier time just sending SMS because I don't have to be that person of, of, uh, on, on the confrontation. So, um, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's so much emotion involved to it because just because of that experience, I like today, I went door knocking today and I was really, really not feeling it. Like, you know, like, okay, what if they, what if the police comes again? And, you know, what if they like threaten me to like do something to me, you know? Um, but, um, there is also the, uh, the positives where we can actually help them out. So obviously like you want to lead with value, but um, so, so today I went door knocking and I ran across, uh, I knocked on this lady and she came out and she was like, I had the Mac page and she was like, yeah, like I want to lose my house once the forbearance expires um, because, and she was like, yeah, I have uh, two mortgages and then I have like almost $2 million in backed liens. And I was like, wow, that's, that's insane. Um, yeah. House is not even worth a million, maybe like half a million. It's a big house, but she says she has $2 million in back taxes and whatever. And I was like, yeah, like, and obviously if there's no equity, nobody can help with, especially with a cash offer. There has to be equity in the, in the, in the deal to exactly deal to go. Um, but there was no equity. And I, uh, that's when I went with creative financing with subject to mortgage uh, transaction where I take the house where the deed comes over to me, but the, I take the existing mortgage and 
um, pay off all the arrears and um, make the payments so that she got, she was able to save the house. Obviously, I don't think we can pay $2 million in back taxes with a half a million dollar house. So we have to negotiate on that. But just that like idea that, hey, if we, there's not a single person, not a wholesaler, not a cash investor that can help, not an agent that can help out with this type of situation. But because I know creative financing and what it can do for such sellers like that, like it gave me a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, confidence and how valuable I am because these people actually, I mean, as, as annoying as I can be and I knock on their door every other week, like I bring a lot of value to them. You know, there was a seller that I was, uh, that we're helping, we're helping her out with loan mods. And she said, Hey, if the loan modification doesn't go through, like we'll have to go with the, with a subject to mortgage transaction. So knowing like where, how, how valuable you are to the seller, um, and being able to help them out when nobody else can, that's, that's kind of what uh, I'm able to, uh, that's what kind of that 5% that like 3% of the people that I'm able to help out is the best kind of, is very rewarding. That's, that's for sure. So this is good because you're creating different, uh, through your creative financing, you are creating different exit strategies and weight on conversions to still help people and you make a profit. And so subject to seller financing, obviously wholesaling, uh, these yep. are uh, terms that a lot of people do not use or even understand uh, in order to be able to, to make a deal work. I know a lot of people, they don't really like subject to because then you got to kind of cover the mortgage, but it can really yep. end up helping out somebody's situation. And, you know, hey, I've seen it. I have heard of it working more than not working. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's very similar to like going to war with like a gun or just knife with a, let's say knife is wholesale, right? You want to, you're going to war, charging at the enemy with the, then with the knife, but with wholesale um, subject to seller finance, novation agreement, lease option, like you have all these weapons that you can use. So like if they're further away, they might use a sniper gun. I don't know, but if they're close, you might use a knife. Like, so you're very um, versatile you're very um whatever the situation is you want to bring the right solution for them if it's listing you get the listing you get the agent involved which i'm not a, i'm not an agent so i can't i can't like refer but i can connect the dots if they want to do like an airbnb manager airbnb kind of thing i connect them with the airbnb manager if they want to do rental rental manager and so on and so forth so uh yeah being able to do that it's kind of uh uh it's more fun than just wholesaling yeah yes. uh, for sure for sure. Yeah. So you, you give, uh, you're more advanced and you have a lot of different tools at your disposal that I think the most people that I've met that are wholesaling within their first year, because you have so many different avenues in order to convert. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really impressed, man. Uh, you really am. You, you did a lot of your research and, yeah. uh, and you stayed, you stayed with it because seven months in most people would be like, all right, I'm done, you know? And you didn't also, you didn't get greedy, you know, within a deal, you're like, all right, as long as I get some type of profit to get that knowledge, to get that momentum, um, $1,500, you still ended up coming out with something. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I think, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah. With, um, when I was just learning stri strictly wholesale, there were a lot of contracts, not leads contracts that I, that I just ended up canceling on because, it was um, because just because wholesale didn't work, but I know for sure that 
novation agreement would have worked or seller finance would have worked. So, um, uh, but, so some people say like, oh, you have to master like wholesale first. But I, I now that I know uh, all these creative options that I can present, um, I think it's best to learn all of them at the same time because you can't, uh, because you, your conversion rate is much higher because if you go on an appointment with just cash offer, there are cash offers that just wouldn't work. Um, so there's a lady that I was that I, that I went on a seller appointment to. Her house was worth two, maybe 190, 185, but she had a mortgage of 170. Their cash offer would not work because you have to cut, the seller would have had to come out of pocket. So um, um, yeah, you I I definitely think you need to learn all of it, all of those things. Maybe not maybe at the same time, but like it's good to have all of them. So your conversion is way higher and you're helping more out. You're helping more people out. So that's what I think. I, Would you have recommended a subject two for her situation? Yes. Yeah. With the lady that a cash offer wasn't good for. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would have, I would recommend subject two. But, but before that, like I would definitely help her out with loan mod. And if the loan modification go, does go through, then I, I guess there's nothing for me to help and I won't make any money off of that. But at the, at, the, at, the, at the very least, like I know I end up walking from walking away from that deal saying, you know what, like even though I didn't make any money, at least I helped her uh, save the house through no loan modification and I get that emotional income. So No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like how you said that emotional income. Plus two, you also built yourself uh, a, probably a future reference, a referral. Mm, yeah, 100%. And my current and I are pretty close friends. Like I told her, hey, I know I'm probably not a good buyer for you. I mean, I don't think any good cash buyers would be a good buyer for you in this situation. But, um, I, I, and even if the, and I hope the loan modification does go through. And if not, it does, it, I'll have to buy the property from your subject to which you should, which she is okay with. But if the loan modification does, does go through, then that means I won't be making any money. But, um, and well, which is fine. Like money is, money will come later down the road. But, uh, and I told her like, hey, if the loan modification loan mod goes through, uh, congratulations. And in the, in the future reference, if you ever need um, um, reference to a contractor, agent, appraiser, like all these things, just let me know. I'll, I'll just connect the dots and I'll walk away. You know, so, and, and, and for me that, even though it's not like a financial income, it's also like friendships that I gain, you know, like if I bring a deal, if I bring a seller to an Airbnb manager, I, the Airbnb, Airbnb manager will bring deals to me and the seller will bring deals to me because I, I connected us with them together and just walked away yep. with nothing. Exactly. So the plan people the, do, sorry, go ahead. It, it's planting the little seeds. When, uh, when you do the loan mod, do people do that through loan officers? How does that work? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> uh, because... We, because uh, most sellers know um, what to do with the loan modification. Anyways, they probably reach out to their mortgage company and say, "Hey, can we do? A, can we modify the loans? Restructure the payment." So, to be honest, we don't really help them out with the step step by step process because I'm busy and I my part my friend is busy too. Uh, but we just use that line, I guess, just to get into the door. So, uh, but. 
loan modification, what it does is actually all the all the backed up payments goes to the back of the loan, and then they rest and then I guess they start the uh, payment all new as if like the arrears were not even there. So the amortization so, changes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So they is if it was, if it was like thirty year uh, amortization, it would be like maybe thirty one years or something because yeah. they have that vacancy with with COVID and not having to pay. Which is pretty much happening to these people that are not not the forbearance, but the um, every time I have to say it, I always forget it. The um, every time I forget it, it's not the forbearance; it's the other one. Loan mod. Uh, it's it's pretty much it is a loan mod, but it's called something else now because of COVID. Uh, it allows you to pretty much stop payments, and then it allows you to restructure on the end. So forbearance was pretty much. Uh, you know, not paying, and then you have to pay everything at, at the same time once that grace period is over with. Yeah. Um, but the, I forgot what the term was, but pretty much it's like, lo- it's pretty much loan modding where they, they allow you to do it due to COVID. Not every, not every loan allows you to do that. Um, yeah. I believe it was only federal bank uh, backed loans that was allowing mm-hmm. people to do so. But yeah, COVID definitely put things in a spot. You started wholesaling in the COVID pandemic. So I'm curious as to what, how things would change for you once things are non-COVID or if things would still stay the same. Yeah, so um, with the COVID and all these government programs that allow the sellers to, I mean, homeowners to stay in the property without paying and having that forbearance and being able to modify the loan, um, it puts a lot of, a lot less pre foreclosures to happen, which means there's less fish to go after for me. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. But, and yes and no, like I wish the, um, to be honest, the COVID happened like almost a year ago. And I think, um, I think I personally think a year is a good enough time for people to like hop back on at least like at least a partial payment, make a partial payment too. But, um, if, there, if it wasn't for COVID, I think I would have way more opportunities to go after these people because it's very, it's very strict on timeline. Once they miss, once they miss um, two or three payments, they get the, once, they are miss, once they're behind 21 days, they get the notice of default. And then after, after they miss a couple more months of payment, then they go into notice of sale. And after that is done, they have 30 days to repay everything or they lose the entire, entirety of it. So... Um, I, I think uh, COVID would COVID COVID didn't happen. I wish COVID didn't happen because there's just so much more opportunities. Um, it's like I guess the, the houses that were supposed to go to foreclosure they're locked in. They're protected by um, this Loma, these government backed up programs, and there are very few that kind of. Uh, that going to pre foreclosure, which and they were already in pre foreclosure before COVID, so there's very limited uh, fish to go after. So, um, long story short, I think uh, as nice nice as it is for homeowners to stay at their home, but um, I, I I hope the forbearance or this uh, mortgage forbearance or what what moratorium is lifted so I can go out there and hunt for more. You know what I mean. Yeah. And it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? You don't want people being removed from their homes. Uh, but at the same time, in the real estate business, this is kind of how we are able to find good deals. 
Uh, mm -hmm. You are buying and holding, you're flipping, you're burning or wholesaling. So it's kind of put a halt on certain things. And so that's why the humane side, it, that's why I like the humane side of you where you mentioned different ways to still help people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously, you know, you, you would like a profit at some point. If not, then at least you help the individual and you gained a referral yeah. because they will think of you after the fact. So uh, maybe that's where some people get the idea, like, you know, the rich people can't wait for the poor to be at a demise. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of a it's kind of a cycle thing, you know, yeah. one person, you know, OK, got it. COVID happened. It, it was, it was uh, unfortunate. And it required you to end up having to be removed from your home. But now, you know, you can now buy the home, you know, rejuvenate it and then provide it to somebody that can't afford it. And it may be better than it ever was. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of it's kind of how life. Now, I know some people are sharks, right? And they take advantage and, and they manipulate. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you have a good heart in it. And, you know, obviously people just don't know you. So they'll, they'll give you a little bit of flack for that. But yeah. you, I love the fact that as this early, you still had the heart of trying to help. And, you know, obviously you would want to profit here and there, but you're yeah. willing to, you know, break up, break up, you know, your profit to, you helped that lady with her rears. Um, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Seven grand. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that, yeah, that was 70% 70, 70 of your profit. I know. Um, and I had to split that with a friend. <laughs> yeah. And he, but he had a buyer. So speaking of buyers list, how, what are you doing to, to build a buyer's list? Is there, are there some methods? Um, to be honest, I don't build buyer's list uh, because uh, I think buyers will come if you have a good deal. And it's kind of weird for me to, I, I don't think it's the most efficient way, efficient way to use my time is, if I don't, if I go up to buyers and ask them, hey, what are you looking for? If I don't even have a deal. So I think, and I mean, people have different approaches to it. Like you want to have, you don't know exactly what buyers are looking for. So you can go after. But then in pre foreclosure, when I'm door knocking pre foreclosures, I don't, I don't have the luxury of choosing, okay, this is a three, two bath, like 1,500 square feet. Like I don't have that luxury. And even if I find it, like who, what if, what if the loan modification goes through or what if um, they don't want to sell to me or so sell to someone else? So I think it's, for me, I think it's the best use of my time. I get the good deal and then say, hey, I, I got this deal. Whoever wants to take a look at it, they can take, they can take a look at it. So that's, that's, how I, uh, that's how I look at it. Okay. Do you, uh, do you have uh, some other thoughts? No. So, when it, so when it, as far as talking about wholesaling or real estate investing in general? Uh, like building your buyer's list, like... Oh, so when it comes to buyers list, I've, I just did what you did. Um, I just reached out to Craigslist and I reached out to Facebook marketplace to find a buyer. I don't have a buyer's list. It was just, I just didn't have enough time because like I said, I also buy and hold. Oh, so, yeah. you know, wholesaling was kind of my pro secondary thing that I really wanted to get involved in to build more capital because mm -hmm. after I bought my first two deals, I could have got a little bit more creative to get the third, but I felt like it would have put me too much in a hole. I know people that they charge up their credit cards to the max and ask money from their parents and friends just to close on one deal. And I don't want to have to do all that. So yeah. um, I was figuring wholesaling, you know, invest a couple hundred dollars into leads and some 
you know, the envelopes I showed you earlier. Yep. And then, you know, I, I'm okay with $1,500. If I spent $300 on marketing, I'm okay with yep. 1500 And I keep building from there so that I can at least have enough money to put down for um, a duplex or a triplex. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't care as long as I can, it's a multifamily that I can invest in. Yeah. The return, the return that you get on this, uh, in this business is way more than anywhere else. Right. I mean, where do you get one? Like, let's just say, uh, what, what is the average whole assignment nationwide? It's like 1300, I mean, 13,000. I mean, you, you just do one deal a month and you're at like 150,000 a year. And mm -hmm. I don't think I, I don't think there's any job out there that would pay me that, that kind of money with no college degree. Um, I, I, and, and that's why like, there's, there's no other option for me to go after. Like if I, if it wasn't for real estate, like nobody would hire me. I don't think I would have less options, but because it's real estate and that it takes a lot of um, less more, less like small, uh, lower barrier of entry. Um, yes yes which is why it's so attractive to people yeah but you got to realize what what is it like everybody quits within the first like three months or six months like i i have so many friends that kind of started with me i'm not friends but like that were in the mentorship with me and i kind of look at them on facebook and instagram they're they're not even in real estate anymore <laughs> uh, yeah you got to keep going you have to keep pushing and that's why i admire what you did man seven months i know a lot of people that would have been gave up and you still kept persevering because um, nobody likes rejection. And when it comes to real estate, the cool thing I like about real estate investing is that you are your own cap. What you put in is what you're going to get out. So yeah. the more you keep pushing in is the more money you're going to make it and the more people you're going to help. And mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure over, you know, over a while, you're going to build up a team because you're going to realize you can't do it all by yourself. You yeah. said that you do uh, SMS, uh, I was about to say spam, SMS texting uh what, what yeah you spam all these sellers <laughs> uh what's what service do you use what program do you use for the sms texting i use batch leads batch leads okay how um, much do you do you pay per text per text yes it's uh three cents per text i was just about to ask probably yeah, three three cents per text that's actually pretty good in comparison to i've seen what other programs i've seen yeah uh, one to three cents is what i've seen but I want to eventually transition out of that kind of uh, SMS or cold calling because it gets, I heard the speculation is that it's going to get tougher and tougher as carriers know the algorithm and block certain messages. But door knocking, I mean, you can always door knock. I mean, yeah. hopefully they call by the police, but. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you're the first person actually I heard that that happened to them. Most cases, people just maybe yell at you for, you know, the situation where she's like, I'm not getting my, my house is not foreclosed on. And then, you know, sorry for the misunderstanding. And then they walk away. Yeah. I was about to walk away, but she kept following me. <laughs> and then she called the police on me and the police was right there. <laughs> but most of the times, like it doesn't even get that far. They just say, Hey, I'm like, I'm not in pre foreclosure. Get out of my house. Like that's probably the worst that I got. Like if I, if the police didn't, police one didn't get involved. People are generally pretty nice. And once you once you show up with confidence and you just kind of like, you kind of fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like they're not, they're, they're going to have that credibility in you. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly transitioning into door knocking because it's the most cost effective. Uh, and it, it, it works for me pretty well. I got like, I got a really 
really good today that I was that I will change that I will convert into a subject to deal. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that's awesome. And so, uh, with all this being said, what do you consider your rich state of mind? You know, why why are you doing all this? Because for somebody that has clearly had some adversities, clearly had rejections, had some successes, mm-hmm. you. I think it, you have to have had some type of goal or passion that has kept you going for you not to quit. So what is that? Hmm. Yeah, so I think I'm in a very fortunate situation where I don't have a lot of overhang like kids or family mortgage payments. And that's one of the reasons why I think I was able to kind of stick around a little longer than anybody else was because I was not, I don't have to make that certain number but also, uh, um, there, there are a lot of things, but one of the things that I want to, there's actually, I want to cover two things. One is um, there, there has been so many people when I told them that I'm going to drop out of college and go into real estate, they're like, oh, dude, come on. It's too competitive. Like, no one's going to trust me with selling their own house. And um, uh, you're, not, you're not a good salesperson or whatnot. Like, like there's just so many people that gave me that, um, expectation or I can't, I can't do it because I'm, I'm just too young or whatever the reason is. So it's kind of a bitter, it comes out of a bitter, bitter feeling from me that like, Hey, you didn't trust me, but watch me in three, six, nine, 12 months of where I am. So like somewhat of a revengeful um, <laughs> um, mentality because like my parents didn't want me to drop out. Like coming from an Asian family, like, College is the necessity. Uh, my sister didn't really believe in me either. I think I don't think anybody in my family believed me, <laughs> and that's why I have this like revengeful thought. I'm like, hey, you didn't believe in me. You didn't believe in me, but watch me make, um, watch me close another deal. Also, second thing is, um, I I have people that depend on me. Right. Like I will, I mean, not maybe right now, but I will eventually have my own family that I want to be able to support. I have people that would need to depend on me for financially. Um, I want to be able to retire my parents. I want to be able to uh, pay for all my sister's tuition. Um, I want to, I have all these family needs that I want, that I don't, I'm not responsible for, but I just wanted to pay forward. So um, having that in the back of my mind and it's kind of reminding myself that um, and putting myself in the position that, hey, I have people that rely on me and because of that, I have to get out of my bed and kind of push myself forward. And that's uh, that's kind of my my why. Yeah. Can, yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that um, and being honest about it too, right? Yeah. Every, Everything doesn't have to be because, you know, actually, I think you are the first one of the few people I've, I've interviewed where you don't have a family and you're the youngest. Oh, really? Outside of, yeah. Outside of my stepdaughter, you're the youngest uh, person I've ever interviewed. So this is um, refreshing because people at 20 probably feel like they can't be millionaires or be successful so early. I think there's a lot of people that feel like that's still for somebody that's older, more experienced. You know, you yeah. said that you're a college dropout. And so instantly people may be like, oh man, you know, like you said, like your family, you know, your family and some associates may have doubted you. 
And I get that, like, I'm going to prove you wrong because it is possible. You know, there's, there's people out there doing it and mm-hmm. you got the, you have the tools to succeed and clearly you have the knowledge. You just need time. And yeah. uh, you got so much wiggle room because you don't have kids and you don't have a family. I, I have both. So I do have a number I got to meet. Uh, but there's yeah. so much fr- freedom in what you have, like so much freedom, man, uh, to be able to, to propel yourself. So I really, I commend you for what you're doing. And I think that uh, you will, you will succeed. I love your attitude, man. And I, and I love your heart as far as how you want to help people. And uh, I do appreciate you taking this time uh, this evening. Yeah. Uh, late, late, early evening for you, cause you're in, you're in Vegas. Uh, but it's about nine you? o'clock for me. I'm I'm on the East Coast, man. So it's nine o'clock for me. Oh, I thought you were. Uh, I thought you were in like somewhere other part of the world, cause like it looks like you're in like in the daytime. Oh no, nah, man. That's a that's a that's a backdrop. That's a backdrop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, good to know it works. Good that, that, it works. That she did not move an inch. <laughs> <laughs> 